Welcome back, everyone, to our second podcast in the series of Deloitte's 10 Rules of Modern Work. I'm Roxana Perves. I'm going to be one of your hosts for today's podcast. And with me is Indranil Roy. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the podcast on modern work. I'm Indranil Roy, and I'm delighted to be here with you today. So, Indra, this is a second in the series for our Modern Work podcast, and I'm going to do a little bit of a recap just in case some of you were not able to join us the first time around. When we introduced the topic of modern work, we talked a little bit about why modern work. We talked about, you know, what was behind our thinking around this term, around modern work. And we also talked about why these rules were important. Now, in this series, we're going to talk a little bit about what the rules are. So we didn't really reveal the rules in our first podcast, but today we're actually going to start unpacking those rules. And the rules are actually in three parts. So we have three rules of control. We have three rules of awesome and we have three rules of growth. Today, we're going to focus in on the three rules of control. So Indra, when we were last together, we talked about, you know, what we were hearing from leaders that we had been working with that really led us to writing these 10 rules. And one of the first things that we discovered as we talked to multiple leaders across different industries was this one word that kept coming up. Um, It was a feeling of being overwhelmed. And that feeling of being overwhelmed is what led us to thinking about those first few rules around control. So can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what you were hearing from these leaders and how that then emerged into these rules of control? And then maybe you can start telling us a bit about what these rules actually are. So, Roxana, that's exactly right. The number one word that came up when we asked leaders, how have you felt at work in the last couple of months, was overwhelmed. And we started looking into why this is so and why this is becoming increasingly a feature of modern work. One of the reasons why people are feeling overwhelmed and the sense of loss of control is that people are coming into work with the incorrect assumptions of how work is going to flow and how results are going to happen. In modern work, a lot of the results and the work flow is fairly random. It comes at you from all different directions, especially in the times of COVID when we're working from anywhere. There are 12, 15 meetings during the day. You have to move from one topic to another constantly. There's information coming at you from all directions. People are asking lots of questions. Stakeholders want answers. So there is this natural sense that you are in the middle of this kind of video game and there are lots of these shots that are being fired at you from all different directions and it's exhausting just keeping pace. So that is where the sense of loss of control comes from in the short term. But in the long term, there is the additional kind of anxiety around careers and the traditional pathway of careers and jobs are getting disrupted in almost every industry. So naturally, people are thinking, all right, so how am I going to get some control over my life and long-term career? And that's a different question altogether. So there's this short-term anxiety and the long-term anxiety. And what do you think the pandemic has done to all of that? Because you haven't mentioned that. And we can't not mention the fact that, you know, we've had this pandemic, you know, for the last couple of years. So how does that feature into this story? Like almost all trends, the pandemic has accelerated this one too. I think that what has happened with the blurring of the line between work and life, the fact that you could get away from the office pre-pandemic and at least to psychological extent feel that your work is done for the day, 
That is no longer true, Ruxana. It's just 24-7 work and life, uh, the lines have been blurred. And I think the pandemic has created the conditions where this feeling of being overwhelmed and this loss of control has gone to a point where, frankly, very unfortunate but true, it is triggering a wide range of mental health issues. So Indra, let's talk about then the first rule of control, right, which is bring your own motivation. Can you tell us a little bit about where this rule has come from and maybe break it down a little bit because I know it's got some component parts. So, so let's talk about rule number one, bring your own motivation. Indeed. I think this is probably the most important rule out of the 10 rules of modern work, because as I just mentioned, the sense of control has to come from within you. If you are expecting that video game that you feel you're in the middle of has some sort of setting in which the control and calmness will come at you from other people or other sources, you'll be sadly mistaken in modern work. So you have to take charge of your own motivation. And frankly, you have to do this literally on a day-to-day basis. In traditional work, one used to think about motivation as something that is delivered by the organization through good performance reviews, through you know bonus allocations, inspiring managers, great communication from the top, et cetera, et cetera. That's what were seen or viewed as the significant drivers of motivation, or as we call it, external drivers. In modern work, what is most important is your internal driver of motivation, your own compass. And that needs to be set and reset every day. So I think about it like your motivation, think about your motivation like you charge your phone. You have to do that every day and expect the charge to go down at the end of the day. And you need to figure out how to do it all over again. So Indra, as you talk about bringing your own motivation, I know that we have looked at and borrowed from the work of Daniel Pink. And there are there are three kind of really important parts to that story, right? You know, which start with mastery, autonomy. Do, do you want to say a little bit about that? Yeah, exactly. So it's one thing to tell ourselves that we have to bring our own motivation. It's one thing to be aware of that reality. It's quite another to learn the skill of recharging your motivation every day. There is a guideline which comes from Daniel Pink's research, you're exactly right, around what drives us, what motivates us from within. And there are three things that he points to, and these three are autonomy, mastery, and purpose. In no particular order, but these are the three things, the three tools, if you like, the three levers that every individual, each one of us, you, me, everybody listening to the podcast, can leverage in order to be able to charge your batteries on a daily basis. So let's go through the three. So I'm going to start with autonomy. Autonomy is about making sure that a vast majority of your work is being done with minimal control from outside. Now, nobody is given autonomy right away. You have to earn it. You have to earn the trust of all your stakeholders. They have to believe that you will be able to get the job done without continuous supervision. So building a sense of autonomy into work, designing your work in a way so that you can do it at the time of your choosing, at the place of your choosing is makes a huge, huge difference. The whole notion of choice, as a number of researchers have found out at work, gives you a sense of motivation. The second aspect to this, or the second lever to bringing your own motivation, is the notion of mastery. And frankly, mastery is something that you cannot build overnight. But the sense that you're getting up every day, knowing that there is a particular skill, a particular competence that you are getting better and better at every day, you get a sense of satisfaction from completing the day and knowing that you're getting better at the thing that you're trying to master. That's what drives into your motivation. And the final one is 
there's a sense of purpose. Now, when we use the word purpose, I'm not talking about purpose at an organizational or institutional level. People talk about things like, you know, changing the world, making the world a better place. I mean, if you're Elon Musk, sure, that could be your personal purpose. But most of us are not, right? So uh, we need to think about purpose at a level that engages us every day and makes us feel like, yes, this is something bigger than me. But this is something that I am trying to get at and get done in the world that is meaningful and makes me want to get to work. So I have to say that bring your own motivation is probably one of my my favorite roles because it, it already makes me feel like I'm gaining a bit more control, right? Yes. You know, if I'm able to think about the things that I'm most passionate about and spend time mastering that, if I'm able to have some control over the way that I set my goals, and if I'm able to feel like what I do every day contributes to something bigger than me, mm-hmm. that already makes me feel like, you know, I'm, I'm gaining back some level of control. Right. So, so I think rule number one has a really good feel good factor around it as well. So one of the things that you talked about in rule number one actually leads us into rule number two, right, which is around setting goals. So we talked about the fact that in rule number one it's around having some level of autonomy around how you think about setting those goals. But rule number two talks about the duration of those goals. So can you tell us a little bit about rule number two, which is all about setting goals for both the long term and the short term, but avoiding this thing that we call the medium term? Absolutely. So if you think about rule one, bring your own motivation as kind of your battery charger for the day. Rule two, if you do this correctly, is like your charger for the week or the fortnight, right? So it's a slightly longer term battery charger. So how you think about this is that you avoid medium term horizon in setting goals. And I'll explain why you do that. You start with the long term. So you obviously need to build some sort of aspiration for the future. And this can be linked to your purpose, right? In my case, for as far as my my business is concerned, I have a simple aspiration of growing the business uh, three times over a very short period of time, over two years, right? So that is my longish term, I would say, aspiration. Why is that important to each one of us? Well, if you don't have something to aim for, you really don't feel like you are taking hold of the steering wheel, right? You still feel like you're in that video game and you're kind of living from you know day to day. So there has to be a longer term aspiration that allows you to aim at something big. But then you need to quickly move from that to a very short term horizon. And this is usually a week or two weeks. So key question that I ask myself is that if I want to grow the business three times over two, two and a half years, what do I need to do this week and next week? What do I need to do maybe at best over the next month in order to make take the right steps towards that goal? And once you start doing that, you have the long term view and the very short term view. And why is this important? The long-term view is aspirational. It generates very feel-good factors inside your body and your psyche. The short-term goals are action-oriented, generates dopamine. It gives you a high every time you achieve something. It could be a very, very small win, but you feel like, all right, at the short term, I have achieved something. So again, gives you a sense of control, both the long and the short term. But the problem is with the medium term. When we start setting our goals at let's say a quarterly or six monthly kind of time frame, what it does, it's that it's not aspirational enough like a long-term goal. It's not action-oriented enough like a weekly goal. So you are in the zone of what I call anxiety. Releases cortisol, stresses you out. You begin to sense a loss of control. 
So that's why in modern work, especially because everything is changing all the time, there are so many other factors that are getting in the way you're feeling overwhelmed. Long shot goal setting is the way to go. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's such an interesting way to look at it, right? Because if I think about even just our own experience as a team during the pandemic, we we did have those long goals, right? And we needed something to dream about. We needed something to look forward to. But I I recall every time you asked us how we were doing, you know, in, in terms of a monthly or kind of a quarterly progress, it felt really depressing because it was really hard to be able to feel good about something that was, you know, that we hadn't really accomplished yet. But when we changed the question to how have you won this week? I know I personally felt completely different about it, right? Because a week I can, in, in the height of the pandemic, a week I can deal with. A month I couldn't and a quarter definitely not. So I think that notion of, you know, having a focus on one week, two weeks ahead and taking a moment to look back and asking, how did we win that week? How have we won the last couple of weeks? really made a big difference right over the last last couple of years in the way that we've been thinking about our goal setting so let's move on to the third rule in this set of rules around control which is a little bit more of i think a personal rule because it's around career it's around how you think about your role so rule number three is around shaping the next job while you're doing the one that you're in right now, right? So it's about today and it's about tomorrow. So, so tell me a little bit about the kind of the inspiration behind rule number three, shape the next job while you're doing the current one. So if you think about the first rule of bringing your own motivation as the charger for the day, and if you think about your second rule as a charger for the week or the two weeks, the third rule is about making sure that you feel like you're in control over the longer term. That is the key, right? So you want to be in control on, the, on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. And frankly, over a year, a couple of years, you need to feel like you're in control of your destiny. Now, when you talk about destiny, it sounds like it's going to you know, unfold over a very, very long period. And in traditional work, very often careers would feel like that. Your destiny would unfold over a 20-year period or a 30-year period. In modern work, however, if you look at the data, it's very clear that CEOs, public company CEOs on an average, have a tenure of about seven years. If you go down one level from that, if you're a, you know, a senior executive, CXO, you're talking four, four and a half years tenure. By the time you get to middle management and practitioner level, you're talking about job lasting no more than three years or maximum four years. So when we think about our careers, and how we can take control over our quote-unquote destiny, it's very important for us to focus on the job that we're doing in kind of a four-year box is what I would call it, a lifespan of four years, right? How does this give us control? It tells us, first of all, that at the end of four years, there'll be something else, and we need to start thinking about it at the right moment, at the right time. When we get to the trouble happens when a lot of executives who have grown up in my generation We were taught that you don't have to worry about what's next for you. The organization would plan for your career and we plan forward, et cetera, et cetera. In modern work, yeah, there may be some organizations that continue to do that kind of long-term career planning, especially for the high potential talent. But you as an individual have to take control over your own career. So that is the key message for rule number three. Now, how you do that? How do you break that down? Think of your job, first of all, any job that you're doing in a three to four year box. Break it up into four parts. Part one is where you gear up. Give yourself maybe six months to make sure that you can learn the ropes. 
you can figure out the quick wins and get some credibility going that you can, in fact, do this job and do it well. Part two is grow. After about six months, you need to figure out, okay, now that I've learned the ropes, I've got the quick wins going, what is the transformation or the aspiration that I want to set as part of this job? What do I want to make significantly better, significantly bigger, significantly more profitable, significantly more efficient? And give yourself a runway to do that. And that is typically two years, give or take, two plus minus years. Give yourself some runway to do that. Now, when you are achieving good results in the grow phase, this is the problem that happens to a lot of people that they think that that grow phase will continue forever. And sooner than they can imagine, something disruptive happens in their environment. I was talking to uh, a good friend of mine who works in a large multinational company, and he said in that organization, which is really well managed, by the way, everybody is uh, no more than two years away from a restructuring and a rejigging of jobs and positions. So if you're in the grow phase, you need to figure out when to trigger the next phase, which is what I call reimagine. And this is really, really difficult to do because when you're enjoying the grow phase, nobody from outside is going to come and tell you, Hey, Indro or Roxana, time to think about what's next. But in modern work, if you want to take control, you've got to time it right. The reimagine phase depends on how much of a reimagination you want to do to your job may last around six months or so. And then you give yourself the last six months or so to transition properly, hand over to somebody and then move on to the next thing that you want to do. So if you think about your career or job lifespan like this, you get a lot more control and you feel like you have the steering wheel in your hand again. So Andrew, one thing that's going through my mind, right? You know, we're in a period right now, right? We, where in some cases, in some organizations, there's four to five generations in the workforce at the same time, right? So even when I hear you talk about the duration of a, of a role being something like four years, doesn't that still feel maybe too long to some generations in our workforce? And how do you see this playing out, for example, for our Gen Z population? Four years might sound like a long time. So is it that this, you, it's just the same stages need to occur, maybe at shorter time? Or do you feel like actually spending that time is a really important part of the journey? Yeah, that's a really good question. And frankly speaking, I worry that as we proceed in this journey of modern work, the time span for jobs is going to get shorter and shorter and shorter, right? Right, right. And maybe even the level of patience that individuals have as they come into the workforce, right? That's exactly right. And to some extent, this is exactly what is triggering, Ruxana, the great resignation that people are realizing that maybe there is something else out there that is maybe more exciting, more aligned with my purpose, etc. And there is a fair bit of attrition in the industry. But anyway, coming back to this idea of looking at any job that you're doing, first of all, as a finite, something with a finite lifespan is important. Now, that lifespan, you know, in your organization, your industry could be a little different from mine. That's OK. Right. But then that lifespan you need to a understand, be aware of, and then break yourself, pace yourself in a way that you are gearing up to get into the job, doing a good job. Then in the grow phase, you're basically trying to do something that is truly aspirational for a period of time, but then making sure that you give yourself the time towards the end of that lifespan, maybe six months or so, to really go through a proper reimagine phase where you can do some exploration, experimentation, talk to lots of people and figure out what you want to do next. Because if you don't do that, 
the environment will do it to you. The organization <laughs> and the environment will reimagine and restructure your job for you. And that may not always be a fun thing uh, and a fun experience. Yeah. So what I take away from this particular role is, um, you know, every role has a shelf life. Yes. And what we're actually seeing is that that shelf life is generally getting shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. But, you know, if we if we take time to enjoy the role when we get it and, you know, take time to not just enjoy it, but gear up and, and do a good job of that role, then spend some time really growing and being aspirational around what this role can become and how you can take it to the next level. But also being very, very intentional about the transition, right? So one way I've heard this rule described is making sure that you actually leave the role more interesting and more exciting for the next person than maybe it was when you also took it on, right? So it's not just about your transition. It's also about the role's transition. Okay, so we've actually covered the three rules of control. We've talked about rule number one, which was bringing your own motivation. We've talked about rule number two, which was around, you know, the horizons in which you think about your goals, both the short term and the long term, but kind of being wary of that medium term that often breeds anxiety. And we've talked about rule number three, which is all about, you know, taking control of your role and making sure that you're shaping the next role while you're doing your current role. So Indra, any final comments around these three rules of control before we wrap up today's podcast? Yeah, so what is common across these three rules of control, Roxana, is that you have to be in charge of you. You may be in an organization, in a team, you're, you may have some issues with your boss, you may have some issues with how the organization operates, you may have some issues with a lot of stakeholders that you're dealing with. Now, that environment may or may not change. That is up to luck, that is up to you know providence, et cetera, et cetera. But in my view, and this is something that I have lived through myself, and I know almost everybody who has worked with me has lived through this process, that 90% of the control that you need in work, you can take on your own. And that is the big message that we want to send to anybody who is trying to navigate and thrive in modern work. The reason you're feeling overwhelmed may well be because of the environment, but the reason why you can take control could well be because you are following rules that are in your command. So think less about what the environment needs, how the environment needs to change, and think more about what it is that you can do to control your own destiny. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Indro. So stay tuned, everyone, for our next podcast, where we're actually going to be revealing the three rules of awesome. Looking forward to talking to you all again next time. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.